Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10, uh, we'll begin reading, and it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Notice that phrase, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand or stand against the wiles, the tricks and deceptions of the devil. There is a devil. You with me? There is a devil. We need to know that. We don't magnify the devil. When people learn some of these things, uh, you know, the first thing they do when it talks about this, this battle and this fight is they skip over these first verses or the whole armor, and they're not strong in the Lord. They're trying to be strong in themselves, so they go out to fight the devil, and they're all devil conscious and demon conscious. They're not strong in the Lord when you're like that. You're not being strong in the Lord. When you're devil conscious, you are not being strong in the Lord. But here's the thing. Modern Christianity uses statements like this. God is in control. You know, I heard somebody got kicked out of their apartment, and they said, well, God's in control. So God wanted this husband and wife or this lady with a baby to be kicked out on the street. I'm in control. I'm kicking you out in the street. He just has a plan in this. When you say God is in control, you're actually saying there is no devil. Or if he is, he's in the program with God because he's just doing it all. It's inappropriate to think like that because then that would mean if I went and did wrong, God is in control. If he's in control, first, first of all, I guess the best thing you could do if you're questioning what I'm saying is, show me the scriptures that say God is in control. You out there? It, to, to come to the conclusion of thinking God is in control and everything happens and we have no say-so in it, why do you pray? God's in control. He's just going to do what he wants to do regardless of you. Now, does he have a predestination that he desires for everybody? Sure, he's got a plan for everybody's life. But people have to cooperate with it. You with me? They have to obey him. They have to be willing. They have to be obedient. They have to follow after him. And that is a key. And so we need to understand this as we move forward because when it talks about putting on the full armor of God and living this way, he's saying you can actually live in victory over stuff that's coming against you. But the whole thing is here, he said this. He said, finally, my brother, and I'm going to read this in the Amplified first, Ephesians 6.10. It says, in conclusion, that statement right there is huge. Because what is he concluding? If you wrote a, uh, uh, we're going to write a letter to somebody and you had not talked to them or written them a letter before, would the first thing you said at the beginning of the letter, in conclusion? No, you would wait till you were later on, then you'd say, in conclusion. And that's where he's at. He's about to tie up 
what he's been teaching on to help people to live victorious in this Christian life. Because sometimes people think that everything that comes against them is the will of God. If you think like that, then you would never resist. All the scriptures that say, like we read in Ephesians 4, do not give place to the devil. Don't allow him a place in your life. James said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Jesus said, you have authority over the devil to cast him out and to drive him away. And on and on you could go through the verses. What's interesting is if I think God is in control and everything is God's will and everything that happens is God's will, then why would I ever resist? If it is God's will for you to be sick, you know, because some people say everything's God's will, then it's God's will for you to be sick. Shame on you. Those are words I don't use. But shame on you for taking an aspirin. Shame on you trying to get out of the will of God like that. Going to a doctor, you foul thing. Just trying to get yourself out of the will of God like that. Why pray when you're going through a tough time? Trying to get out of the will of God or something? Why are there verses that say if you, dwell in, if you dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, you could say then of the Lord, He's my refuge, He's my fortress. And on and on you could say and resist things. Why are those verses if everything is God's will? Then Jesus died for all, but all won't be saved because really he was tricking us by dying for all because he really didn't want everybody saved. He just put on that front. No, there's an individual's will. You with me? And he, and, and this is what blows people away, is though he has a pre-designed plan for everybody and wants everybody to be saved, he still gave you a choice. And God could really, I mean, we all know that there have been times the Lord has dealt with us and we said, uh-uh, not right now, I'm not doing that. Are you saying God is in control there? No, he's trying to direct you, but you made a choice. You with me? Aren't, aren't parents that way many times? Hey, don't go outside without some sunblock on. It's really hot and you're going to be out there eight hours. And you just resist and ignore them. You go out there and your head's burned, your face is burned, your body's all burned. And you're crying now for a week or three days after. And whose fault was that? That was my own. Right? We need to understand God does and wants to take up a role in our life but we have to submit to him. So if it was automatic that you would be strong, why would he say, he, he would just say, you'll be strong or you won't. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so he said here in the Amplified, he said, in conclusion, at the end of everything I've said, now, here we go. Be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him. 
and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. So the question is, how can I be strong in the Lord? Because some people will automatically in their own effort try to be strong. But it didn't say be strong in yourself. It said be strong in the Lord. How can I be strong in the Lord? How can I come to a place of tapping the source of power? If I'm a believer and the Bible said greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, and it says you've overcome them, how can I tap into the power that's there because he wants me to be strong in it? How can, if he gave me authority to resist the devil, how can I tap into that power? Is it a big wrestling match? How can I tap into that power? If he said I could speak to a mountain and it would move, uh, how can I tap into that and make problems change? How can I? Well, I gotta f- I've got to follow these verses. He said, finally, or in conclusion to everything he taught, Be strong in the Lord. The first action of being strong in the Lord is doing what Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. What does that mean? We need to know what Jesus paid for. We need to know what he's bought. You know, there's 130-something verses in the New Testament that say Jesus has quickened the believer or made them spiritually alive, made you pass from spiritual death to spiritual life. There are verses that say when Christ died and was raised above all the power of the enemy, you were raised up with him as a believer into a victorious position. The Bible said that when Jesus died, he went into hell itself, and it said that he took the keys to death and to hell and the grave, and Colossians 2.15 said he stripped the devil of his power. Back in the first chapter, it says when Jesus was raised up above every principality and power to a victorious reigning place, you were raised with him. But what happens is people think the devil has the power that's greater. But the fact of the matter is we don't function in our own power. We function based on the knowledge we have in him. That's key. Because what happens is people think, well, I'll try this. No, he said be strong in the Lord. So really you need to be strong in your understanding in who you are in the Lord. And that would be letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I need to begin to think like all those verses that tell me what he's already done. We need to understand Jesus lived perfect, didn't he? Never sinned. You never saw anything wrong out of him. But do you know there's a verse in the Bible that said when he was raised from the dead, he was justified in the spirit? Oh, yeah, okay, big deal. What's that got to do with what we're talking about? You know what justified means? It means to be declared like you never sinned. But before he died, he never sinned. 
I said before he died, he never sinned. So that statement, he was justified in spirit, is huge. Because why would he need to be made like he never sinned, but he never sinned? Because it's part of that, be strong in the Lord. Realize he died for you. He took your sin upon himself. The only reason he was justified or declared like he never sinned and needed to be justified was for you and me. Because we were the ones who have sinned. We were the ones who missed the mark. So he bore the sin of the world and he became guilty on our behalf. He tasted, the Bible said, death for all men. Why? Why do people die spiritually? The wage of sin is death. He took sin upon himself. Then the Bible said when he was raised up, he was quickened, made alive in spirit, because he had tasted death, and he was justified, declared like he had not sinned. But it wasn't for you and, or for himself, it was for you and me. The very last verses of Romans, the fourth chapter, say he was delivered up on behalf of our offenses. But he was raised up for our justification or to declare us like we never sinned. See, he lived perfect. He is the only one who could be this and do this for you and for me. So we could be declared innocent in the sight of God. These are the things you need to be strong in. You need to know who you are, not based on, I live at 7732 North 3rd Avenue. Or wherever you're from, 1313 Mockingbird Lane, wherever. If you're a Munsters fan, you know exactly where that is. But if you live there, wherever, that's not what we're talking about, that kind of location. We're talking about who you are, not based on you personally, because who you are personally really doesn't matter. Good, bad, indifferent, ugly, pretty, sin a lot, sin a little. We all need, needed a Savior. If you've called on Him, here's the thing. These things happen, but you may not know it. And if you called and don't know it, you can't be strong in it. You'll make attempts at things, but there will be some lacking. You'll think, why should I pray? Why would he ever listen to me? Because he made you look like and made you completely innocent in his sight, justified. He put you back in good standing. He actually put you back in the same kind of standing Jesus had and has. We're in him now. So I have the same rights and privileges. As a matter of fact, I am no longer. He said in that day... Jesus said right before he died, he taught. Okay, guys, I'm about to die, but in that day after I'm gone, you're not going to ask me anything. You're going to ask the Father and whatever you will ask in my name. Because your own goodness doesn't work, but he did something for you, so now you can ask in his name, and he would do it. Knowing who we are and what we have in him is huge. People need to know this, that are believers. People who are lost need an invitation to know Jesus. But you could live and think, 
you know, well, after I give my life to the Lord, I've been good, he'll answer my prayers. You don't get to sign a check based on whether you're good or bad, but whose check is it? And he told you, you can use my name when you pray. And why, why? And why could you use it just without fear against the forces of the enemy and everything else? Because of what he did to set you innocent and set you in good standing with God. So he said, yeah, I just did wrong. Yeah, he paid for it. I said, he paid for it, so you are justified. Good way to say this, and it paints a good picture, just if I'd never sinned. Justified. Just like I never sinned. Justified. And so when he said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. This is why we read those chapters before, because it tells you, you were made alive with him spiritually inside. But here's the thing. What if I go by what I feel? Well, I could feel good about it or not, but that's not the standard of life. His truth is, I'm alive with his life. I need to renew my mind. Remember, he said, renew your mind, putting on the new man that was created, you know, back there in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, was created new in Christ in true holiness and true righteousness, which is the same as justified. You're back in right standing with God, not by your own, and you were created that way. When you received Jesus, you were created for good works. We read that. But if I'm thinking, man, why am I struggling? Maybe I need to work on changing the way I see myself. You know, maybe I need to change that and begin to look at it the way God does instead of looking at how I feel, look at what he said and put that first. You know, there's been a trend the last 10 years, maybe, maybe the last five. And not trying to say I'm ahead of the curve, who knows where I'm at? But years ago, I thought, I want to get an old car that's beat up on the outside and really put a good transmission. And I started looking at cars, a good engine, and just have it really nice, but the outside looked beat up. And now that's like a whole segment. And people can judge by the appearance. And sometimes the bad thing is, is we're the car that we look at the outside and think, well, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other, and we haven't really looked under the hood to find out. And you can't just look under the hood. You have to look at the owner's manual. You with me? And that is the Bible that will tell you who you really are, what you really have, and so we need to be strong in the Lord. And if he said you're dead to sin, you need to start thinking like you're dead to sin. Well, I'm just a sinner. If you're saved, the Bible said he died to sin for you, that you now, being dead to sin, could live under righteousness. But sometimes people don't think like they're dead to sin. I'm talking believers. That's why I'm talking about being strong in the Lord. Didn't 1 Peter 2.24, the first, verse say, first part of that verse say that? Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we now being dead... Now, you can still have thoughts, 
But you need to get your, the problem is with those thoughts many times is we just focus on the wrong thing. Instead of being strong in the Lord and focusing on the fact I am dead to sin by virtue of a new nature. And so if he said I'm dead to sin, then I need to get strong in that fact. I need to start thinking that way. I'm dead to sin, even if you're sinning. Even if you're doing wrong, you need to start changing your thinking if you're a believer. I'm dead to sin. You with me? That's how you're first. That's one of the first things you're going to do is to get strong in the Lord, is to get strong in the truths of who you are in the Lord, what he bought, what he paid for, what happened from the cross to the throne, what happened when he was whipped to the time he was nailed to the tree. Because you know, that if you ever saw the movie The Passion of the Christ, it's just not like an extra step just to make the movie more fascinating or the story more fascinating. The Bible said things were laid on him for your sake when he was whipped, when he was beaten. When all this happened, it was actually, there were two deaths occurring. There was a Roman scourging and death that was occurring but there was something spiritual happening. There were things being laid on him, and he was suffering on your behalf. He was taking the load of everything we would ever face in this life upon himself. And he was being overcome by the enemy for you and me. Then he rose up victorious. Death was a defeat. His resurrection was the victory. His resurrection was not a victory for himself, so to speak, but a victory for you. Because he didn't have to die and he didn't have to rise. So we need to be strong in the Lord. And then it said in the power of his might. And in the power of his might. His active power. We need to know who we are, but then we need to get this in action. Here is an interesting story, and you might say, well, how is this going to go in line with be strong in the Lord and the power of his might? Turn to Mark 5. It's actually an underlying principle that works anywhere in truth and applying truth. And so in Mark 5 is interesting. What we need to understand, you know, because people think that, um, you know, it's all about just all God and not me. Remember this, there is a Godward side and a manward side to miracles. The miracle of the new birth is a manward side and a Godward side. He died. He's poised and ready to assist anybody who would call on him as Savior. But he said, we need to go tell them and invite them so they can hear. Then it sets them up for a miracle because then they can hear. And then what would cause them to experience the miracle? Confess Jesus as Lord. They'd be saved. So we have a part in that miracle because Jesus said, go into all the world and share. Tell people. Bring them in. But here's the interesting thing. They could experience the miracle of salvation, but what will help them to live it out? What will help us to live out the miracle of salvation? 
to tap into that power, that new life, the rivers of living water that are in us. What is it? Is it real hard? No. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to act beyond how you feel. But we can all do this. Notice this, Mark 5. And we'll start here in verse... Um, Mark 5, I'm in Matthew, that's why it didn't look right. It's probably good too, just not what we're looking for. Mark 5, notice this, and we'll begin reading. I want to start in 24, but there's a part of me that wants to back up. We'll start in verse 24. So Jesus went with him. This is the guy from the verses before. And a great multitude followed him. So this guy, we're not going to mention his name. We're going to keep him out of the story. Gets Jesus to go with him, and now they're traveling to this place to pray for somebody to be healed. And when Jesus starts moving with this guy, a crowd moves with him. And, uh, it, it, and it tells us how the crowd was. It said, a great multitude. Well, we know there were multitudes, and he called that thousands and thousands, you know, at different times. A great multitude, who knows, 20, 30, 40, I don't know, 1,000, 100,000, I don't know. But it was a great multitude. It was bigger than some of the other ones because they used that wording. And so it says, so Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So they weren't just like, you know, uh, him out front and this big thing behind. They were all around him thronging. They are so thick around him. He's walking, but people are touching him. They're just thronging him. And uh, isn't that interesting? Because, you know, sometimes people don't think like that with Jesus. You know, Justin Bieber was in the news a week ago because I follow him. Um, he freaked out on one of the, his people that came to one of his concerts because they kept getting in his face wanting a, wanting a picture with him, and he started calling her names and stuff like that. He experienced the same thing Jesus did. No, I'm just saying, sometimes when there's crowds, they start wanting to get in your business and want to be up there. And this whole group, I mean, or maybe not all of them, but the ones that could get near him, they're thronging him. They're trying to get close, touching him. You know, I touched Justin Bieber. You know, you know, whew, that'd be exciting. Verse 25, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Now, she wasn't the only one who was probably sick, but she had a problem that was 12 years old. What's the first thing we need to do to walk in the power of his might? Be strong in the Lord. We need to have some knowledge, proper knowledge who we are, what he bought, what he paid for, what is mine, what is yours in Christ. What he finished, 
what he paid for when he suffered, died, was buried, and rose again, and sat at the right hand of God. Notice this. Now, a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians, God didn't chide her for that. The Lord didn't. He's just telling the story. She had actively tried to get a cure. And it says, you know, and you could change it too to people who are addicted to things, people who suffer with things. How many people have invested a lot to get an answer? And if you just read over these things, you could miss the actual answer. That's why we're going to look at it. And it said for 12 years, verse 26, and she had suffered many things from many physicians. Listen to the point. She had spent all that she had and was no better, and she was progressively getting worse. Remember, what is the first step in being strong in the Lord, knowing what is provided or what is available and what is yours. Notice the first thing in her life, just showing her state. This was not something like, you know, I had a pain in my hand, Jesus healed me. How long did you have it? For about three seconds before I touched him. This is a long time. This is what I, there's a number of things I find real interesting in this story. The very first thing said when she heard about Jesus, what did she hear? Hear. She had heard he was the healer. She had heard she was, he was the Messiah. We know that they knew the scriptures that he bore our sins, bore our diseases in his body, and all these things. These are Jewish people. They knew all this stuff that the Messiah was this. They knew he was anointed. They knew he had the ability. But now it's down the road of his ministry. She's watching and now hearing from other people what's going on. And so it says, for she said, I'm sorry, verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. When she heard, she came and touched his garment. Now I'm going to say something. This story is written out of order. She heard of Jesus, she came and touched him. So right here, she heard and touched. She's already had contact in this verse. She heard and touched. But look at the next verse. For she said. It would have been better if they would have put, for she had said. If only I may touch his clothes. So she had to say this before she touched her, his clothes, right? Because you wouldn't say, if I could only touch this metal and I just got done touching it, now I'd say, now if I could only touch that, you'd say, you just did. So let's do it this way. Because it's just explaining what happened, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I will be made whole. So let's inject this halfway through. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, 
she said, if I could only touch his clothes, I will be made whole. And she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that affliction. She first heard, then she declared, then she started acting on what she declared. She didn't just declare. Listen to this, because when you hear these truths, you need to hear them correctly, because somebody goes, okay, push the button, pull the lever, turn the knob, there. No, she heard, here's what happened, she believed what she heard. So when she said, all she was doing next was expressing the belief she is now holding in what she heard. And because she has now expressed her belief in this that she has heard, that's why you want to be strong in the Lord, so you can express your belief in. He has raised me up together with Christ. I am seated in heavenly places with Him. I am above only and not beneath. I've been made alive and raised up above devil power. I can then place my belief in what he said once I have some understanding. That's what it is to be strong in the Lord. Understand what he's paid for. So now I put my belief in it. Now, if I believe that Jesus paid for this for me and that I have authority... Why would I not start thinking and acting like it if it's really true? Why would I not? It's exactly what she did. She started acting like it was true. She changed her mindset. She changed her will and said it's true. When I touch him, this is how it's going to happen. She believed he was anointed. She believed he had paid the price. She got strong in those facts. She declared. She expressed what she was holding dear to herself on the inside, what she was expecting, and then she started acting in line. Her actions were not only external, they were internal. When the thoughts maybe came, well, maybe you won't get it, she didn't cave in. She said, no, he paid for it. He got it. He's got the power. I believe when I touch, I'll be made whole. So she is now expressing a belief and now proceeding and acting like that. What if I saw the truth that I'm dead to sin and I go, I am dead to sin because he said it and I'm still bound with an addiction? Well, then I need to start changing my thinking and going, I'm free because he said I'm free and then start acting like it. Start marching on. Quit entertaining it. Start acting in line and moving like I am what he said I am. Start acting like you've been justified, like you are accepted before God. And when thoughts of condemnation come, be grounded in the fact that he has accepted me in the beloved. That's a verse. He's made me accepted in the beloved. So I should start not having an inferior complex but I should have a superior complex that he did this. Here I go, and now I'm going to express it with my mouth. Okay, Lord, you said it. And what am I doing? I might be speaking against thoughts coming against my mind, but I keep my mind there. And it may get battered. 
but I'm going to keep it there and I'm going to start acting, so I'm going to go pray. And I'm going to ignore if condemnation tries to stick around and I'm going to say, I've been set free and resist it and it will flee. And what will happen is when you take steps like that, then the power becomes active. When you see what belongs to you, when you express what belongs to you and you act. That's why understanding what grace is, is huge because that's what faith acts on. Faith just doesn't act on its own. Faith is your belief in something that you say, that is a fact. But if you don't know the facts, you can't be strong in it and access the power. You with me? You could see why the, that it's important for us to know the Bible ourselves. <clears throat> Begin to think a certain way. That's why the Bible said your life is transformed as your mind is renewed because you begin to act different. It trains you to act different, to start seeing yourself in the light that God sees you, that I do have rights, I do have privilege, and now I'm going to declare what I believe, and now I'm going to start acting like it. I'm going to start acting like I've got the love of God inside of me because he said I do. Well, I'm Irish. No, you're, you're, you might be Irish, but you're born again. You got something greater than that. You with me? But if I'm not strong in the Lord, I will maybe not entertain the fact that I do have patience and kindness actually inside of me. And then, but if I declare it, I can then, as I'm changing my thinking, getting strong in it, I can start acting on it. You know what will happen when you act on it? You'll become strong in the power of his might, or the power of his might will become active in you. Let's read on. Notice verse 28. Immediately, this is immediately after she acted. Not immediately before. There was information. There was an expression of belief. There was action to it. Then immediately. In that order. Some people want immediately, then they'll believe, then they'll declare, then they'll act. There's a reason why trucks go down the freeway, the big semis, with their trailer behind them and not in front. And you said, there is? Yeah, you're not real successful that way. What needs to be first needs to be first. What needs to be second and third and fourth needs to be in that order. So to be strong in the Lord or know the information is first. Just knowing information ain't it. Believing it is a step. Expressing it is another step. Acting on it is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Notice this. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that affliction. I don't want to spend a ton of time, but there are some interesting facts before we move on. One is this, God never had a role in this. God didn't initiate this. She never asked God if it was okay. She never prayed and said. It's never acknowledged that she ever prayed. Matter of fact, she was sneaky about it because she couldn't be in public with an issue of blood. It was against the law back then. It'd be like somebody with some 
disease that was supposed to be isolated today and in, you know, locked away, not out until they're past that contagious part. It couldn't be there. In that society, if you had an issue of blood, you could not mingle with society. So she snuck in there. She went against the Jewish law to do this. Then she gets in the crowd where she doesn't belong and she sneaks up and touches Jesus without asking his permission, without praying, all based on the knowledge of the truth. Man, we got a Bible full of truth. Some of it you don't even have to ask. Somebody could get saved and they don't even have to ask God. Is it okay if I'd get saved, Lord? All you'd have to do is tell them. You wouldn't say, let's just pray right now and see if the Lord would like to save you. Because who knows? Maybe we should pray the sinner's prayer with you. But maybe, let's ask. Lord, do you want to save her? I know her personally, and I don't know that she measures up. But in your sight... (laughs) And he's like, well, go ahead. I got room for three more. He, they didn't pray. She, there's some things you don't have to pray about. Because the Bible said, whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. So you can just give them the instructions and God will back that up and God will work when they call. He'll even convict them and deal with them. You with me? The Bible never tells us to pray for people to get saved. The Bible tells us, Jesus said, pray that people would go out and tell people. Because God's already going to work with it. He wants to. He already provided for it. So notice here, this woman didn't ever ask God. Did you read the story? I mean, the one I just read? She snuck up and touched the hem of his garment, but she was already posturing herself. She'd accepted a truth. She accepted God's word, the knowledge about Jesus, who he was, what he was doing, what he was about. Then she just connected and accepted it and then expressed it to herself. She didn't express it all over the place. She expressed it to herself. This is what I believe. And you know what she did? She took off after him and she went through a great multitude, not 12 apostles. This is what's amazing to me is how it keeps reading. Verse, she's already healed in verse 30. None of the apostles know. Jesus doesn't know who it is, but he recognizes something happened. Notice verse 30. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. She tapped into the power of his might by being strong in the Lord and acting on it. That power assisted her when she acted. And he now has to find out who it is. Well, you know, God's in control. He totally was out of control right here. I mean, Jesus is looking around going, who did this? Where is this person? And the disciples come back with Hey, hello, there's a bunch of people touching you. Do you ever read this? Verse 30, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power or virtue had gone out of him, 
turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing she, she got found out what, was, what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told the whole truth. So what we just read was her personal testimony. Your personal testimony is important for other people. This helps us. This will help everybody till Jesus comes back. Anybody who will look. So she tells her testimony. It doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be like this. But every testimony of somebody giving their life to the Lord is massive. We should tell people, well, I did it. You should come. He's got a place at the table. Why? Well, not sure. There are only two left Sunday morning. No, whosoever will. And what's interesting here, he looked at her to find out who did it. The disciples were like, man, you see all these people touching you and you're asking this? They didn't even recognize what was going on. Jesus recognized something happened but didn't know who it was. That helps me because then I'm not dependent on, you know, we're just waiting on God. There are some things you do wait on God about. The plan of God to develop as you, you know, cultivate your life and walking with Him and His divine purposes. There are things like that that you do cultivate. But there are other things that are not to be waited on. So the reason sometimes we're waiting on some things is just because we have a lack of knowledge and we're approaching wrong. You with me? I knew you guys would be excited about this. And, uh, but think of the simplicity of it. Be strong in the Lord. Know what is yours. Accept it as fact and declare it even to yourself. I'm free from sin. Begin to think like you're free from sin and act like that, and that power will assist you. Didn't that power assist her when she acted like this? It just shot right into her, fixed her whole body. Notice this. And Jesus said to her, I can't believe you did this, verse 34. How could you do this without praying? How could you do this? How do you know it's God's will? You know God's in control? Did he say that? No. He said this. And he said to her, daughter, you know my power did something. No, he didn't say that. Did his power work? You better believe it. We're to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, but there are things before that make it active. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. What was her faith? She accepted what he said. She expressed it, and she began to act on it internally, holding to the belief that it's mine. And she began to act her life that way. And then the power as she progressed along became active. Did you notice that? And notice he said, daughter, be, uh, he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What I like about that is the ease, the simplicity, the order, 
you go read through the miracles of Jesus and you'll find the majority of them, not the mass ones, but the individual miracles that are written about, Jesus attributed their faith to it, not his power. But his power was involved. Because regardless of your faith, without his power, it ain't happening. But notice it's accessed, accessed becomes active. So if we're going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, then there has to be an understanding of what is yours, mine, and every believer's. Then I need to accept it. My will is involved. I go, okay, Lord, that is the truth. I acknowledge it. If that is all you do, you didn't do it yet. Now begin to act like it's true. If you believe you have power because he said it, and you say, okay, I see that's a verse. You said, I've got power. I believe that. Then to go around praying, saying, Lord, I need more power. I need more power. I need more power. Means you gave up the idea that you did have power, even though you acknowledged it. You're no longer seeing yourself with power. The reason you're not is you're living by your feelings and not what he said. You failed at being strong in the Lord, really. But we can all grow in this, right? And then as we act on it, we'll recognize his power will assist us. You with us? We do it when we praise the Lord every Sunday morning. We get truths written up here. Some of you have memorized them. You start declaring it. You start ignoring the circumstances of life. And all of a sudden, his power becomes active, and we go, woo, that was wonderful. But you can do it in any area. Because remember, the Bible said, most things are possible to him who believes. A lot of things are possible to him who believes. So you understand, believing isn't just me going, okay, I believe. No, all things are possible to him who believes, so you have to have a basis. Once you accept it, express it, and then begin to act on it, at some point that power will take hold with you and start working. And the more you are set in it, when you act, that power will go to work right then. 